your hosts, Dan and Josh. Welcome back to the Too Good to Tank podcast. We welcome, we know that our first episode was a little long, but apparently you survived long enough to get to our second episode. Now, we saw who watched the episode and a lot of thoughts went through our head, but we're probably thinking most of them were loving family members, uh, friends who are just trying to help us out. And then probably some people that really just love football as much as us. But uh, Josh, what do you think? I think it's probably the first two, especially from the feedback I've gotten. But I saw some other listens, some other clicks in there. So, you know, there must be people out there who love it as much as us. And and feel free, if you do love it as much as us, create some different accounts and listen to it a bunch of different times. We don't care. We'll get it one way or another. We could use the clicks. One click. (laughs) Times seven. All right. So we're going to start with news. Just like last time, uh, the NFLPA urging players not to attend voluntary in-person off-season workouts. Now, we know with corona going on that this this is a touchy subject. And it's hard because a lot of families have been through a lot of different things. But how do you think this will affect football, Josh? You know, I have to say at first, doing this seems like the prudent course of action obviously COVID is still a very real concern but I look at all of this everything that's going on and while I understand why they want to do this I question in their long-term health is this going to actually benefit them we all saw what happened week two of last season I use the sleeper app for my fantasy football needs so you know another Hashtag not a sponsor, but you could be. Anyway, I used Sleeper, and my phone was buzzing off the hook. It seemed like every single minute from 1 to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, someone went down with a season-ending injury. And I really wonder, this was obviously because of the lack of an offseason. Are we just repeating this? Yeah, this is, it's definitely something that the players have to take into consideration. And we can't push any decision. And we respect whatever decision they make, obviously. But uh, it definitely had an effect last year. So if if you're looking at it from a season perspective, it did cause a lot of injuries. I mean, (laughs) there were a lot of, there were a lot of high quality guys, like very good guys. And even some that haven't, haven't been injured in years that they they push off all this and then they came back with injuries and like you said out for the season so it's it's definitely impactful to the NFL season and as fans obviously we want to see more we want to see what's going on but personally we do care about the people so they have to do what's best but you know they have to weigh it out and it could be good it, it could be bad we're not sure yet i don't envy them their decision in this you have to choose between a highly contagious virus that's going around or playing the game at such a high level. You're asking for injuries if you're not properly conditioned. So it's a tough choice. And like you said, we respect the decision that's made. And obviously everyone has to make that decision for themselves and for their families. Yeah. They obviously shouldn't, penalized I don't think if they make this decision because they are they do have a choice so 
Yeah. Though I will have to say, it's exciting to think about all the people that are coming back. I know as a Patriots fan, there's been a lot of people who did opt out of last season. And, you know... Yeah, it's probably better that way. Let's not do that. All right, so now we're going to move on to one that we were really excited about, that we even hinted on, I guess you could say, without too much. But the Jets trade Sam Darnold for a 2021 sixth-round pick and a 2022 second and fourth. Josh, I I thought you said the the Jets weren't drafting a QB. I know. You've got to have have that wrong. I mean, there's no way the Jets would trade their starting quarterback, Sam Darnold. Yeah, no, I'm just pulling your chain. So this is a move that we we all saw coming. I mean, really, we're not kidding ourselves here, right? We all knew that the Jets loved Zach Wilson. What's not to love? True. I mean, we'll get into that. Anyway... This is something that was expected by everyone, and I'm actually really excited for Sam Darnold. It has some impact. It presumably takes the Panthers out of the running for a quarterback. A lot of people projected Justin Fields dropping down to the Panthers in their mock drafts, which I won't say that I thought that that was a good projection. I will not comment on the my own thoughts on where Justin Fields will go at this point in time, but it does certainly make you wonder what's going to happen with the other two really good quarterbacks in this draft after San Francisco takes one at at the number three spot. Yes, there's a lot going on there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going back and forth of who's going to take who. Personally, this move excites me for Carolina. (laughs) Hashtag free yourself from Adam Gase. Like, get out. He's gone. He's Thank gone. goodness. But what do we really know about Sam Darnold? He was supposed to be a good quarterback. I mean, with what they have in Carolina and where Sam Darnold is going, uh, I mean, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, there's a lot there. I mean, they just reinforced their offensive line. I'm, I'm excited for this. I really am because I love Devontae Parker, and I have to say that everyone hated on Devontae Parker and – there was something there, and when he got free of Adam Gase, the things he did uh, are amazing. So uh, Ryan Tannehill is another one. Like these guys, when they get free, like maybe Adam Gase will get another job. I hope not, but you should kiss your career goodbye if he gets on your coaching staff. But yeah, I think we could write a book at this point on the Gase effect. Really? I mean, those eyes, man. Those are creepy. Some creepy eyes. <laughs> Oh my goodness. You put that picture up in our fantasy football draft. And I don't think I've slept at night since. It's a good picture. It's very creepy. There's a lot of people, GMs, there's a lot of players that have had their moments in interviews. And I'm sorry, that was a good moment for Adam Gase. But I, I mean, was it? Really? For our enjoyment, yeah. I'd say that was a good moment for our enjoyment not for him uh, i mean okay well my nightmares <laughs> disagree it's it's fun for me so 
as far as the Jets, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, we got into a little bit on the last episode of what they've done in the offseason, but, I mean, looking forward to this draft. We'll get into that a little later, but uh, just... Yeah, I, the Jets have some pretty good talent, you know? They've been looking more and more like what Arizona was right before the arrival of Kingsbury and during the arrival of Kingsbury. They sent out a not-too-long-ago-drafted quarterback that looked like he has a lot in the tank, bring in their own guy, bring in a lot of good offensive talent around him, and set him in a place to succeed. It's not too different from what happened over in uh, Glensdale. Yeah, I really hope they set him up, though. Some talent, so... I mean, he's not going to... Jamison Crowder ain't going to cut it. <laughs> so... I don't, I don't know. I like Crowder. Crowder's a good possession guy, but, I mean, it's not going to win you a championship, so... We'll see. We'll get a little more into that, but... uh what do you say we talk about our rookie QBs? Okay. You a little excited? Looking forward to it. I am excited. And I would say I would have to ask you to go first this Ooh, time. Ooh, me. You want me to go first. All right. All right. See, I had this whole thing set up that if you went first, I'd be able to get on you. But I'll start us off. So, speaking of Sam Darnold going bye-bye. The new guy in town, quote-unquote, coming in is Zach Wilson. Now, I'm just going to state his stats. I'm not going to go crazy into stats because, you know, you're a stats guy. I'm not going to lie. So, But Zach Wilson, uh, 2020, he had a couple injury-ridden seasons. But in 2020, he had 3,600 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. He had over 200 rushing yards and another 10 rushing touchdowns. Now, the thing that stood out to me, because we look at a lot of quarterbacks that are in um, stat-wise that stood out to me, we look at a lot of quarterbacks that are coming into the NFL, and you say, okay, well, they're not very accurate. Well, accuracy is something that you really need, right? You, it, you can improve it. You have uh, Josh Allen as a perfect example. It can improve, but it's rare. So what he threw was 73% completion. Now, depending on the game, there was times when he had two completions the whole game. There was times when it was in the third quarter, he hadn't thrown an incomplete pass yet. Over almost 20 throws, you know. And they're not like short dump offs. They're not things like that. These are long bombs. He had great receivers, so it did help him out. But 73% completion he ended the season on. Okay, that stood out to me because he has the arm talent and he has the completion. So I felt his sense of pressure was amazing, knowing when to get rid of the ball. As far as breaking down his skills, quick evasion of blitzing defenders buys him time. He's able to stay calm in the pocket. He can extend the play where he needs to. He finds ways on the run to set his feet, like running across field, throwing crossbody the other way, setting his feet. He makes throws accuracy one could dream of that's why incomplete passes came as a realty um rarity excuse me so this is the funny part right and it 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 brings out patrick mahomes side to me this is when i thought of him 
the the different throws that he can make, whether it's deep, short, screen, cross body, in the pocket, on the run, he flips the ball, he can shovel the ball. Sidearm. I watched one touchdown from the 20-yard line. He shot like a three-pointer with a spiral. I don't know how he did it. It's just overhead, right? To the back of the end. Watch out, KD. Watch out. They ever bring footballs into um, <laughs> basket into the NBA? But, He'll be I great. I know, right? He could have. could have. Now, some can have great throw power, right, Josh? Some can throw the ball, but the accuracy is not there. He has both. What I love to watching him do, which you never knew when it was going to happen, was run the ball. Tucking the ball, going on the run. No Lamar. He's not going to juke, spin, hurdle, whatever, all in one. But he does have good moves, and he does have good ball security. And he is fearless. So whether people view that as an injury risk or not, that's up to you. But I feel he has the full pack. I mean, I am a little worried about his injury history. I think, um, like last time, we both looked into a little into each other's guys. I saw some injury problems there, but that actually wasn't my main concern. He had a lot of production, and he was very accurate, and he has an extremely strong arm. A lot of people bring up his size as the main detriment to his game, saying that he's a little bit on the shorter side. I'm looking at him as listed as 6'3". I don't know why people would bring that up. But I've seen that knock on him several times. But watching his game, there was one person that I saw over and over and over again. And that was Baker Mayfield. And looking at that kind of game style, Baker's game style is recently starting to pick up in the NFL. But And we all know that Freddie Kitchens seems like a Gase-level head coach at this point. But really, I'm worried about him having a Baker-like splash in the NFL and then just kind of fading away. I don't know if he'll be able to put those tools to work at the next level. I can see that. but So my comps that I wrote down, just so you know, were so he has the confidence of Baker Mayfield, fearlessness, his adaptability and skill repertoire of Mahomes, the different throws he can make different in the throw power, and that his scrambling abilities were with Rodgers, like scrambling on the run with similar deep accuracy. Now, you say he's Baker Mayfield. I didn't see Baker's whole package. There were throws that he made that I would never even think Baker Mayfield could touch, right? One throw in particular, and I'm sure you knew I was going to bring this up because it blew me away. And this isn't even the, this isn't even his pro day. His pro day blew everybody away, but I went back to watch every play that this guy played this year. Um, It was a deep dot. It literally went from the 50 yard numbers on the right side of the field to the left sideline in front of the pylon to Dax Mill. It was it was 58.9 yards in the air. Now, <laughs> I started trying to do the math myself, and I was like, well, if you're like, the field is 40 yards, and I started going over it, my my ninth grade math wasn't coming together with triangles and trying to figure it out, but I did find somebody. 58.9 yards in the air, dot, not a floater, bomb. Accurate. 
pinpointed it on the very sideline that only he could catch. That, to me, did not say Baker Mayfield. It was almost like his maturity was at a much higher level than Baker Mayfield. And that his, it's almost like he he already knows what he's doing. That, to me, feels like it will push past the Baker Mayfield stage and take it to his own level. I mean, maturity, to me, is the key to production in the NFL game. Another really good example of this, at least for me, is um, Gardner Minshew. He came in, and while he had a lot of fire behind him, he had a subpar arm. Obviously, as we saw in this season, this past season, teams would play up on the line of scrimmage because they knew he couldn't really hurt him deep. But he had a maturity in the pocket and he was comfortable in the pocket and that really showed in terms of production in his rookie year so I do have to agree with you maturity I think is the true key to production in the NFL yeah thank you for agreeing with me it makes the podcast a little better (laughs) so (laughs) I have a question for you though right now, I'm a Patriots fan. I've always been a Patriots fan. I have, uh, I really appreciate Tom Brady. I have followed him since he left, and I, I do enjoy watching the Buccaneers. But as the diehard Patriots fan that you are, how do you feel that I picked a QB that's going to make it very hard to get two free losses from? I think that that depends on whether the Jets organization can actually put it together. Let's face it, there's been a lot more wrong with that organization than just the coaching staff. So, I'm not too confident that just changing the coaching staff will change the entire culture. So, seeing whether he'll actually be able to avoid injuries and such, I can appreciate the skill, but I'm not sure the production's going to be there just because of the Jets. All right, we'll talk later on this one. I know we will. So, okay, Josh, you win. I know. Let's go to you. Who's your quarterback that you chose? I decided to go with someone that you probably haven't been hearing a ton about in your mock drafts and your draft boards. So he must be good then. I won't say that every unknown will be good, but I will say that there are few people who kind of slide in every draft. Last year... Jalen Hurts was looking like a first-round quarterback prospect, and he slid down to the second round. I believe Jake Frum was another quarterback last year that was supposed to be a first-round prospect. He was taken, I believe, in the fifth round by Buffalo. I could be wrong there. This guy, I think, is a clear second-round selection, and his draft stock has only been rising since his amazing pro day at Texas A&M. This is Kellen Mond, former Aggie. He is amazingly athletic. The first time I read about this guy, I was preparing a draft profile for Kyle Trask. He was not my first choice, Kellen Mond. I was originally going with Kyle Trask, but this name kept popping up. Oh, well, you could put him or Kyle Trask as the fifth, I mean, as the seventh or the sixth prospect in this class, I kept reading. And then, slowly, 
I heard Kellen Mond's name being put before Trask. Consistently. And I saw his tape on YouTube and I figured I'll give it a try. What I saw blew me away. He is extremely athletic, has a strong arm. He can zip throws. I've seen him make a throw 20 yards down the field. He threw it on a line. I've seen him throw a frozen rope between three defenders on each side of the ball throws it in between their hands in full extension and hit his receiver in the hands. Can make these amazing throws. His accuracy and rhythm timing can be a little bit off occasionally. I will say that. But he can throw crossbody with amazing accuracy. If you look at his numbers, you can see he got better every single year. Started off with a completion rating of 51% in his freshman year. Ended with 63% and ended with the record for passing yards at Texas A&M. Total touchdowns for Texas A&M, passing and rushing, because he is a dual-threat quarterback. He ran a 4.56 unofficial 40-yard dash time at his pro day this year. He's extremely productive, extremely mature. His teammates describe him as a very cerebral player. You can see him in tape go through all of his reads and check the ball down in remarkable time, especially during the game against Alabama. It wasn't his best game, quote-unquote. But if you look, there are a lot of good throws, a lot of drops, and a lot of really good reads. He is a master at sensing when to throw the ball away. Very few times did I see him hanging on to the ball and think, You really need to get that throw off. Most of the time, he's really good about getting the throw out quick. He improves. He watches game film. He said he watched Tom Brady and Drew Brees to improve his footwork, which, in my opinion, could use a little work. But (laughs) he should watch it a little more. Yeah, a a little more time. But you know what? It's definitely good that he's moving in the right direction. And. I could see kind of a Daniel Jones effect from what happened in college. If you think about Daniel Jones at the time he was drafted, you may say he's not a first round QB. But if you look at his college tape, the reason that his numbers didn't exactly pop were because his team didn't have the best talent around him at Duke. There are a lot of drops. He was very accurate in college, but there are a lot of drops. And I see the same thing in Kellen Mond. You see a very accurate quarterback? I've seen him bombing over people's heads a couple times, but he's very accurate, actually. So there's one throw. I can't remember who it, is, who it was against. But this one in particular, it was on a dig route moving across the field. And he was able to drop the ball over a defender and into the basket of his receiver with less than a yard of separation downfield. It was an amazing throw. The defender may have gotten a finger on the ball, but it did not alter the trajectory at all. It, I was just honestly amazed with what I saw on film. And during the time he's been there, he's had literally one primary pass catcher of his get drafted and that was Jay Sternberger who I believe went to the Green Bay Packers and honestly hasn't really been heard of heard from since 
he doesn't have a ton of weapons around him at Texas A&M. And yet he put a lot of trust into his teammates and was willing to put the ball in a place that was better for his teammates than the defenders all the time. It was remarkable to watch. I was actually very, very impressed with his game film. So I have to, I have to be upfront with you. I, uh, when I watch people who I want to, when I'm looking for somebody to, to dig into, I watch the highlight, highlight reel first. Then if I'm impressed, I dig a little deeper. Like I said, I watched um, all of Zach Wilson's plays, every single play for the entire year. It was hours and hours and hours of film. It was, it was a lot. Took me a while. It took me like to go through it thoroughly. It took me like a week. But Kellen Mon, I started with the highlights, and I said, "Okay, if this guy impresses me, I'll dig a little deeper." You were going to talk about him, so I wanted to be prepared. I wasn't impressed. I have to say, and I'm sorry, but I only watched his highlights, not even the bad plays. And with that said, although he showed. Some good touch and some throw power in some highlights, they seem meh to me. A lot of underthrown or off-target throws that his receivers, they had to do the work for him. Maybe he can take this next step. Maybe he can't. I'm not sure. I don't have much confidence in him. But I could be wrong, just like Jalen Hurts, like you said. I mean, I actually... I have to admit, when I first watched his highlights, I wasn't exactly completely blown away. Up until a few days ago, I was planning on doing this, on going a deep dive into Kyle Trask for this part. So, obviously, I've known about this guy for a while. Kyle Trask seemed slightly better to me until I started watching Kellen Mond's actual game film. When you put those highlights in context, like... Almost any highlight against Alabama, if you watch the game, he was getting harassed the entire game. To be honest, by the end of the game, I was impressed that he was still throwing the football. I probably would have just laid down on a stretcher and let them carry me away. He was getting harassed in the pocket. He was getting sacked. It was a rough game for him. Alabama really did put pressure on the quarterback and hit him a bunch. Even if it wasn't a sack, they hit him. And it was a really rough game. But he showed the poise and the competitiveness that you want in a quarterback in the NFL. And he kept going. And even when the game was clearly out of hand for the Aggies, he came back and he fought on every drive like one more touchdown was going to be the way that they would win this thing. And it was an impressive show of maturity. And... I'm going to sound very strange here, but his highlights weren't his best throws. His best throws were drops. If you look at his game film, there were throws that I was thinking, why didn't you just check it down? But he saw something downfield, and he showed the ability to fit the ball into such tight coverage. The problem was, he didn't have that extreme... NFL talent around him, minus one wide receiver. I have to shout out Anias Smith. He was absolutely amazing in the highlights I watched. He had a few drops, but he was a playmaker. So so what you're saying is I got to go back and watch more? 
pretty much. I would suggest it. I think that you might find it interesting some of what wasn't in those highlight reels. All right, I'll, some of his best throws. I'll look up Kellen Mond's receiver drops, and then we'll go from there. See what I see. How's that sound? Hey, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what comes up with that. I just watched uh, full games. I know. Next episode, Dan wants to change his opinion on Kellen Mond. Imagine I go back and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> Alright. But there's actually one last thing I did want to talk about about this guy, if that's okay. So, I mentioned before he was a dual threat. This guy's not as fast as Lamar Jackson. He's not Kyler Murray. He ran a 4-5-6 in his 40-yard dash. I have a list here of other people who ran four or five or slower. One, Chad Johnson ran a four five seven. Anquan Bolden, four seven one. Chris Carter, four point six three. Jerry Rice, four point seven one. The last one here, Larry Fitzgerald, four point six three. Now, these guys all have very productive careers as wide receivers. 4-5 puts you in a good place to succeed. In fact, my um, NFL comparisons for him, honestly, I would have to say Jalen Hurts, or maybe if if he really reaches his potential, maybe Deshaun Watson. I think he has what it takes. I'm expecting him to go second round. Hopefully Patriots. I respect that. I was just going to ask you, what team do you want to put him on? All right. You're hoping the Patriots. If he's that good, you know Bill Belichick's not going to see it. Because he's not that good at drafting players. I mean, All right. He's had some okay quarterback. There's some other talent he's whipped on, but it's fine. There has been a few talents he's whiffed on, but actually it's interesting you bring that up because the Patriots have been meeting with Kellen Mond a lot. I've heard numerous reports that Patriots seem like the strongest pursuing team. If if he carries the Patriots and he's as good as you say, you'll never hear a word of negativity from me because <laughs> I'm going to enjoy it. So we'll see. Yeah. Let's just hope that Zach Wilson is not as good as I say he is because then I will be hearing from you. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying Zach will. I look at Zach Wilson. Some people say Zach Wilson is better than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, we can both agree. Before we went into this. We don't have to push this. We don't have to push that. I'm not. Before we went into this, we made a deal that neither one of us were going to pick Trevor Lawrence. Right. Yeah. That's just not fair. I mean, I don't think that any of our listeners would want to hear it, honestly. If you've been following NFL Draft, you've probably heard the names Trevor Lawrence so much that you're saying them in your sleep. Okay. I have a question for you then. Yes. We'll we'll sneak the question from the editor a little early. How about that? Okay. Now that you brought it up, will Trevor Lawrence be a fantasy QB1 in his rookie season? 
That's a very good question. You want me to go first? Take a shot at it, yeah. So, if we look at a QB1 and what a QB1 really is, do you know who was a QB1 last year? Josh, you know who the low-end QB1s mm-hmm. were? Who? Technically, Joe Burrow. Sorry. Joe Burrow was technically a QB1. I had Joe Burrow. He went up and down, but he did have a lot of QB1 showings. So, he averaged out to be at the bottom of the QB1 ratio, but he went to Cincinnati. So, if Trevor Lawrence goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think they're a little better off than Cincinnati. Uh, I question your word if. I mean, do you think Zach Wilson is going to go higher? I don't know. Really? Sometimes we don't know. I mean, we'll see. But I could put a bold statement that they wouldn't be hurting if they took him. But uh, you'd be really upset if the Jets got Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) So I would be. Honestly, I'm more upset at whoever gets Justin Fields because there's one. If there's one quarterback, I think that because he beat him. I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I say yes. I say yes. And I will say he will be in the 8 to 12 range. He will be a QB1. Uh, he has offensive weapons. I love DJ Chark. So, um, LaVisca Chenault, they're good. And James Robinson's a good running back. So, you don't have to have a good defense. Actually, technically, if you have a, be- a better defense, then your offensive numbers in fantasy will be worse. So, that's probably why um, – Joe Burrow was decent because he was always making up for things, but uh, I I say he is. Um, He's probably somebody that I will eye later on in drafts. I don't know how high he's going to go once we get closer to draft season, but I like the late-round quarterback, so I would take him, and I would be happy with him. And you will get some great weeks, and you will get some meh weeks. That's what I say. So, I mean... I don't know if I'd be expecting, excuse me, a Justin Herbert-like season from him, honestly. Like, Justin Herbert, I think it's pretty clear. He finished the year at QB1. Yeah, he was was insane. Everyone was was saying, oh, the wave's going to fall. Get off before the cliff falls. Get off before, and the cliff never fell until, like, what, week 13? Week, I don't know, maybe 14. I don't even remember when it was. So, For those of you in the playoffs, that was kind of, of a rough uh, stretch. I mean, I remember we had him in the playoffs in the league where we're uh, yep. co-owning. We had him. And Kyler had that shoulder injury. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> those were a rough couple weeks, man. It was sad. You wanted Kyler in there. I know you did. I was going back and forth, but that's neither here nor there. My point is that, according to Bleacher Report, a QB1 should consistently put up around 20 fantasy points. That's what it says. It's actually literally highlighted on their website. I think that... I think that uh, Trevor Lawrence... He has the potential... I want to see him check it down, because I've never seen him really check it down a ton in his career. I suppose Travis Etienne has a ton of yards 
as his running back through the air, so there has to be some checkdowns there, but I don't know. I'm not sure because Justin Herbert, he was the underdog. I don't know if I see the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. Like, he's always been the top prospect. He's always been the best out there. And it's not that he hasn't shown he can be. He has. But I think he could fall into maybe a QB2. All right, I have a a question for you for comparison purposes. Would you rather have Kirk Cousins or Trevor Lawrence? I have to think about how Kirk Cousins did last year because it was kind of a rocky road. He was the QB 11 on the season. Okay. I in would our league. say so. in a keeper league, I would go Trevor Lawrence. In a <clears throat> redraft league, death, I'd probably go Kirk Cousins this year. All right, I can respect that. I have one for you. Okay. Would you rather Trevor Lawrence or Ryan Fitzpatrick? <laughs> On Washington with Scary Terry? Scary Terry, Logan <clears throat> Thomas. We'll talk about that later. How about that? I'll answer that question when we get to their Fair. So stay tuned to hear him answer the burning question of Trevor Lawrence or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Who is the better QB? What do you say we do free agency? I'd say that sounds like a great idea. Free agency. NFC East. Excuse me. We are going to start off. I believe we have the Dallas Cowboys up first. All right. Dallas Cowboys. Why don't you start us off? We're going to do a little different this week. <clears throat> we tried to do too much with free agency. We can admit that. So we're going to just talk about the ones that we really enjoy, are looking forward to, or are impactful. Yeah. We can focus more on those players. So you can. Yeah. We don't have to go into every signing, especially when the Patriots decided to sign half the NFL. <laughs> That's true. Well, this, uh, so, this division's a little light, so we'll see how it goes. We will. I mean, the thing that most people focus on is Dak Prescott's finally actually committed to something. Yay! Wow, he's back. But the signing that caught my eye was Jeremy Sprinkle. Jeremy Sprinkle has actually been not a bad tight end on Washington. There are a few ye- there are a few weeks back when um, Vernon Davis went down and Jordan Reed went down. There are a few weeks when Jeremy Sprinkle looked like a viable starter in fantasy for at tight end. So I don't know. I'm interested to see if he takes his game to the next level or if he remains a solid backup. Oh, you caught me off guard. I was going to say you're talking back in 2019. So I was like, like, what did he do last year? So, Oh, yeah. It was a little while ago, but, you know. My boy Logan Thomas is there, so. Yeah, I'm hoping Thaddeus Moss gets off the uh, practice squad. (laughs) Come on. That was a painful draft you wait for him to come out. I'm sorry, that was funny. 
It was. So, um, <clears throat> I'm happy with Dak Prescott. You know I'm a Cowboys fan. So, I have always had two teams. Um, I can thank my dad for that. The Dallas Cowboys and New England Patriots. I always loved watching them play. been watching them since Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin. I mean, yeah, Cowboys have a fun team. They've been pretty dominant for a while. But I've been watching them. I love watching them. One of my favorite players I ever played football, uh, most talented, I felt very talented, with, that enjoyed watching was Des Bryant. So I've been watching them a long time, and I'm not as hating on Tony Romo as a lot of people are. But So personally, to see Dak Prescott there, I'm really happy um, that they signed it. Um the two people I really care about on this was with Dak Prescott and Keanu Neal. Um, I remember watching Keanu Neal when um, Atlanta was on fire that season going against the Pats. So in the Super Bowl, but there he was young, very talented. I do think they uh, it adds good. It's almost like they soaked up a couple of them with Demonte Kazi, but. Um, I, I'm I'm excited about these guys, but I'm especially excited about Dak Prescott to finally seal him up. I didn't feel what happened last year was the best, but when you look at what happened with Dallas, I was going over their their budget, right? Their um, salary cap. Now the salary cap for the NFL is 182.5 million this year, right? Yeah, it went down a little. Yeah, and uh, it may go up because of that deal they just got. Um, not sure about that, but. So you got Amari Cooper. These are the top five guys at twenty million a year. Dak Prescott at forty, Zeke at seventeen, Demarcus Lawrence at twenty-five, and Zach Martin at seventeen. So with their top five players, they have one hundred nineteen million. I even went a little bit further that with their top six, it was one thirty-three. Their top seven is one forty-five. So that's seven players are one hundred forty-five million. That team. This they're great players. Don't get me wrong, every single one of them I really like is really good for the team. However, putting that much cap, I don't really expect big things. I don't know that Dak is going to be able to carry them offensively. Um, they were getting burned a lot last year, and I, I really don't think they have $40 million left in cap space for 46 more people. Yeah. That's not much. Even, no, that's not a good situation. No. Even if you sign for league minimum, I mean, they're they're in a very tough spot as much as I like them. And it's going to be exciting watching them offensively. That's for sure. They still have good offensive line. They have the great talent on offense. But and my boy C.D. Lamb. I was just going to say that. I know you're looking forward to watching C.D. Lamb, but it's, it's going to be tough. This, this is not – hopefully Jerry Jones knows what he's doing. Um, I don't see a big future with Mike McCarthy, but that's just me. I wasn't very impressed with the way uh, it went in Green Bay, and I definitely wasn't impressed with his first year, but I guess you got to give him more time. But the Dallas Cowboys, they made some signings. I hope it helps their defense. Um, there are a lot of one-year deals, but uh, we'll see. Because they went from a really good one when they were winning all those games two seasons ago at the end of the year, and then... Um, then last season was a little, a little gross. So, 
yeah. I'm excited to watch the Cowboys. I always am, but uh, it might get rough to watch. So. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely see why, because also their line wasn't as dominant as it usually was last year. Injuries kind of hit everyone, but the Cowboys, the entire NFC East really just seemed like one of the worst hit by injuries and regression, which that was just startling, the regression. I like the uh, J. Ron Curse and Demonte KZ signings. Personally, those, I don't know, I just got excited over the least, like, big name people on the team. Jeremy Sprinkle, Monte KZ, and J. Ron Curse, all three of those signings I just absolutely love. You're just very uh, emotional about football, Josh. It's something that's cool. That's probably why we do this. But there's things that we see in people that maybe everybody else doesn't, you know? So Maybe. But I don't know. We'll see. I think this is definitely a place, usually when you have these places, where you're devoid of talent in a secondary like the Cowboys were because their entire secondary basically got up and left last season. Yeah. When you're having that much trouble, that's a place where these players that seem to be, you know, good placeholders, good positional players, they get their chance to shine. So, who knows? No, it's definitely a team to watch. So, yeah. and let's hope Dak Prescott can stay healthy and Ezekiel Elliott can stay healthy and that offense can really shine. So. How about the New York Giants? Huh? Mike Glennon, baby. Uh, yeah. Oh, no. yeah. Oh, he's not the starter? Uh, oh, uh, no. Uh, Daniel Jones. On. Mike Glennon? So I, I was watching Good Morning Football, and fortunately, I got a little bit of a head up, heads up before the Kenny Galladay signing. So the Giants going into the season, I can't remember the name of their coach right now. Joe Judge. It's driving me crazy. Thank you. Joe Judge. So Joe Judge and Nate Burleson was at his son's basketball game. And Joe Judge also had a kid in the game. So the two find each other and are talking on the bleachers. And so Nate Burleson has to ask, what are you planning on doing? And Joe Judge tells him, we're going to give Daniel Jones the best environment we can. This is the make or break year for him. This, I'm not saying that he said, you know, if you fail this year, you're out. Okay. This is a paraphrase from a broadcast I saw literally months ago. He said that he wanted to make a better environment for Daniel Jones. And so I'm kind of saw the Kenny Galladay signing coming, that they were going to try and hit one of these wide receivers with a really big contract and try and rope them in to try and see what do they have in Daniel Jones. I'm excited about Kenny Galladay. I honestly am on the side where I believe that he was healthier than he led on last year. And that they wouldn't give him a contract. So, oops, sorry, I don't, I don't feel well. I can't, I can't play. So, I, I was one of those guys that bought into him and traded for him when he was hurt, and then <laughs> he never came back. So it was a little hard for me in fantasy because that hit me. But uh, 
yeah, I, I honestly believe this is huge. Kenny Galladay is a very explosive, talented wide receiver. It is a great deep threat, and he's got Darius Slayton already. Um, I think this is a huge update, up, upgrade to Golden Tate. And yeah, and do you know? Um, <clears throat> do you know what Kenny Galladay ran for a forty? No. 4.5 seconds. That's good. I love how you keep comparing a quarterback to a bunch of wide receivers. Why don't you hey, compare him, Why don't guy. you compare him to a fast quarterback to give us an example? So, I mean, hey, you <laughs> want that Deshaun Watson, right? If I remember correctly, his 40 time was <laughs> You're too easy. I really got you. I know you're getting me off topic. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Let's get back to Kenny Galladay. All right. 4'6". You're fucked. 4'6", 4'7". That's why you said he was his yeah, comp. I'm seeing it, you know? Anyway. Makes so sense. I'm more excited with a 40 time much more impressive than that of Kellen Mons. John Ross. John one play Ross. Hey, if that if you just bench him until the Super Bowl, wait until you're down by a touchdown... That one play. you He's a one-off. <laughs> you get one play with him. But he can leave everyone in the dust. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. it's They're big weapons. I think it's important. Um, John Ross has a lot to he prove. He has a lot to prove. He does have... You want to talk about some of the U.S. health problems, it's John Ross. Yeah. So. But... Before before we get too far away, do you want to tell everyone why I like Mike Glennon so much? On oh, so Mike Glennon, our first franchise. <laughs> I don't even remember. It must have been a year ago. Our first franchise in Madden. This guy loses. What was it? Carr, right? Derek Carr loses Derek, Derek Carr, Carr to injury, and t- week thirteen. Makes a Super Bowl run with Mike Glennon at quarterback. Unfortunately, I think that was the year he lost to the Arizona Cardinals in the Super Bowl, but it's amazing that he got there in the first place. <laughs> I was crying. I was like, I have Mike Glennon. I, this is the trade deadline. It's over. What am I going to do? <laughs> and then... Somehow, I felt that was bad. funny. All right, I'll, I'll let you I get felt back. bad. Yeah, you learn how to get by. <laughs> I had Kyler Murray, so, so I was just like, I can't feel your pain. Um, <laughs> but yeah, John Ross, I like this signing. I've always thought that John Ross was underrated. I remember watching some film, and his his route running is actually decent. Like, I wouldn't say he's a Devontae Adams, but he can gain separation on a route, and then he has the speed that, I don't know, if he really let go, I think he could be the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah. Maybe. So, what... Yeah. I knew that was coming, excuse me, but I'm very confused by the... I I like Kyle Rudolph, but... I'm very confused by that signing. I heard... Can you... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, can you help me? 
understand that? Is that the run blocking? I think this is a um, little bit of a warning sign for Evan Ingram. I've heard some very conflicting things about Evan Ingram, which I like as a tight end prospect. He's very athletic. But he had a few drops last year. and He had had injury problems seemingly every year. Evan Ingram, you come into every year in fantasy saying, Evan Ingram is going to take me to the Super Bowl this year. He's going to take me to that fantasy championship. And then halfway through the season, somewhere around his third concussion, you're just scouring the, tr- the waiver wire hoping that someone decided to drop Logan Thomas. So, it's the same thing every year with him. I think the Giants have kind of had enough. He's their, probably until Kenny Galladay, was their best weapon on offense in the passing game. Now... You're bringing in Kyle Rudolph, and I think either the idea is if we have an injury-prone starter, get a high-quality backup, or saying to your starter, listen, we drafted you, we believe in you, but you have to produce. Production is key. You can be the most athletic guy in the world, which when we go over rookie ends, this is something that's going to come back up because there's an end that I'm looking into that very interesting story behind but production is key and if you're not going to produce then you're going to need to find another football team it's unfortunate but true yeah it's definitely raised an eyebrow when they signed him but then again I mean you got the Patriots they just signed to maybe they got something special planned they literally want everything but I mean the Devontae Booker signings tells me that they aren't planning on bringing Saquon as the bolster for this offense here. What do you mean? It's two years, three million a year. Yeah, and I think they're definitely bringing him in as a backup. But honestly, I think they're bringing him in because the last two years they've had some trouble with Wayne Gallman being their next viable running back. And they've looked for people that can kind of fill Saquon's shoes when he's injured. And I think that they signed him so that they won't have to do that anymore, honestly. Yeah, that's true. He's definitely viable. So my favorite defensive signing is Dory Jackson. Oh, yes. I think that the Giants have needed this for a while. And I think that... Um, I mean, they paid him what he's worth. So Adoree Jackson will definitely add some uh, security in the secondary. So he's very, very talented. Um, Yes. I'm actually shocked that he got let, you know, out there into the free free agency. But, you know, you can't pay everybody. So you can't. It was kind of a head scratcher. Why did the Titans let him go? But you know what? It just it happens, you know. I really don't know why you would let Adoree Jackson go. I mean, he's had some injury problems. I think he played what three games last season. So there's that. But he's easily, yeah. you know, your best to second best corner. And you just got rid of Malcolm Brown. I'm sorry, Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler. 
Who's Malcolm Brown? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. the defensive tackle with the Saints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he played three games last year, and he played 11 games in 2019. Yeah. He hasn't had a full season since 2018. Sometimes with this, it's like, well, he hasn't played a, you know, he hasn't played a full season, but can you afford to lose him at this point? It- I mean, the... They, the Raiders just did it with Trent Brown. Like they, he had injury problems, and they just move on. You know. Yeah, but I again, I question how good the Raiders' O line is going to be this this season. You know, can you afford to lose Trent Brown? I don't know, but they paid Adoree Jackson a lot of money, so maybe forty million. Maybe they just couldn't agree to pay. They didn't want to pay that for somebody who's not going to be there. It's the same thing that they're going to have to figure out with Saquon Barkley. Uh, I, I think he'll be fine this year. I think, you know, COVID gave him a rough season and uh, I'm putting all my eggs in his basket. So we, I kind of don't have a choice for that fantasy wise. Uh, but if he has injury problems, you going to pay Saquon? I mean, honestly, where it's at, Saquon would have to have a monster year for me to be super interested in really paying him for to be an RB1. I heard it said once that running backs are not paid for what they will bring your team. They're paid for what they have brought your team in the past. And it's kind of true. Look at uh, Christian McCaffrey. Great running back. Had 2,000 yards from scrimmage in the 20... 20 season? 2019 season? I'm sorry, I always get the numbers mm-hmm. mixed up. 19. In the 2019 season, had 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Has this massive contract, massive new contract coming out of that year. This year, plays three games. Running backs are paid for what they have done in the past, not for what they will do. And I think that Saquon has yeah. not done enough in the past for me to pay him like the other top running backs in the league right now. So that's my thing with the Dory Jackson. So he had two rough years, but maybe he didn't come back. Maybe he's another one who didn't come back. I, I don't know what his injury was. I'll have to look into it, but maybe he didn't come back because they didn't give him a contract. Maybe. Yeah. Also Patriots fans have to bring out Danny Shelton's here. So, you know, I did see Danny Shelton. I had to pick yeah. between Adoree Jackson and Danny Shelton. So I don't really know I, Danny Shelton's body of work too much, but I just felt it's I'm a Patriots fan. I have to bring it out. You do. That's fine. You did them good. Okay. So, no. We have the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles with their whopping oh, yeah. five signings this offseason. Oh my goodness. Joe Flacco. There you go. If there's someone that I would want in that quarterback room to help Jalen Hurts, Joe Flacco's a pretty good choice. So when I was picking people for signings for each of these divisions so that we could do it faster, you know who I picked for this team? Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't care. I'm sorry. You're right, though. It, it definitely having a mature quarterback in the, some some of the best mentors are not some of the best quarterbacks. 
but True. good offensive minds that could teach. You know, I, if you I can't I, do it. Teach. Well, I just heard I was on the station. I forget what I was listening to, and um, they were just saying that Scott Zolak was one of the best people to have. His his uh, his offensive mind was in, incredible. You know, he might not have had the production, but he was a great mentor to everybody in that team, and especially any quarterback that was ahead of him. And he wasn't the best, but you know, he calls the Patriots games now, but with the um. Not by himself, obviously, but he uh, he's yeah. the play-by-play. So, yeah. So you know, you have these people. They talked about that with Sam Darnold and Josh McCown. Um, they you have Tyrod Taylor in any quarterback. I mean, Tyrod Taylor has given birth to some of the most expansive careers in the NFL. Some of the best careers in the NFL today have come from Tyrod Taylor, Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert. I think Tyrod Taylor says to these guys, like, watch, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to be the the best mediocre quarterback there is, and then all you have to do is beat me when you come, and they'll think you're great. So he comes in, he's like, I know you're going to be the starter halfway through the season, but watch me. (laughs) I mean... I don't know. At this point, do you realize that both of the quarterbacks Tyrod Taylor started in front of for their rookie year went on to break the rookie touchdown record? Yeah, I think you found something there. I mean, I know I said Kellen Mond to the Patriots, but there's another team that I had him pegged for. The Houston Texans, actually because of the similarities to Deshaun Watson. So, Tyrod Taylor was signed to the Houston Texans. Maybe? Will it happen again? Yeah, okay. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, you have these people who you're signing not for a backup quarterback. You're signing a QB coach to put in the room. You're signing another quarterback coach who just happens to be able to play it. So, I think that that's clearly what Joe Flacco's doing here. But Anthony Harris was a good signing. I mean, if you had to lose um, Jalen Mills, then Anthony Harris is an okay replacement. Yeah. Okay. Right, there really isn't a ton to talk about there, though. Like, five <laughs> signings? You have an entire offseason, and all you do to help poor Jalen Hurts is five signings? How about we just signings? double up on Washington football team? We'll just do it that way. All right. That yeah, sounds like a by good the idea. way, speaking of Ryan Fitzpatrick, now you have the question. We are eagerly awaiting your answer. Ryan Fitzpatrick or who? Or Trevor Lawrence in his rookie year. Who's the backup quarterback on Washington? I will tell I will tell you this. If they draft a quarterback, it's whoever it I don't know that he'll carry the whole season. I think Fitzpatrick will do better. Whenever he plays, he will do better. I think he has Antonio Gibson. I think he has Logan Thomas. And I think he has Terry McLaurin. And I think that's going to be great. Those are weapons that will make him great. He will get his interceptions. But unless you're in a league where it's negative three or or worse, um, 
I'm in the league like that. Yeah, I'm in the league with that. I wouldn't draft him in that league. Uh, Or sacks, I'd probably say, because some do negative for sacks. But I would take Ryan Fitzpatrick. Okay. If he's the starter. Um, Do you you understand? If they draft a first round... If they draft a good quarterback, if they somehow pull out, get drafting one of these top quarterbacks... He's not the starter the whole year. But, you know, just like he was on the Jets, he was a starter for like two years. And it was fantasy gold. Everything was fantasy gold. And I believe that he'll succeed. So for this year, yes, if I'm trying to keep, yeah, I'm going to try to, I'll try to get them both. You know what I have for picks. So (laughs) I don't care. I have so... (laughs) And when I met last year, last week, I said I'd trade you the fourth round. I checked. I have four fourth round picks, Josh. And they're all within three picks of each other. There's no more than two picks in between. That is an interesting prospect. I've been looking more at who's supposed to be going in the fourth round, and I don't know. But I do have a plan with the one and the four. I'm working on moving up to the three or the two at this point in time. So, we can keep you appraised. If I move up to the three or the two, it will come out here. You will hear it first on Too Good to Tank. Now, I also had Kellen Mond. I also had Washington as another landing spot. So you have three landing spots? Man, I had like five. You like this guy. There are a lot of... (laughs) I like this guy, and there are a lot of really good spots that he would be able to fit in. In some ways, he reminds me of Trevor Lawrence in the way that if you're looking for a pure passer, he has that for you. If you're looking for a dual-threat QB, he has that too. It's not one or the other. Okay. But Ryan Fitzpatrick, there's no telling that he will be the starter. Unfortunately, there's uh, Kyle Allen who was supposedly the starter last season and wasn't doing terribly until he broke his ankle because, you know, Washington football team and life. Yeah, they don't go well together. You can't have both. They really don't. Yeah. (laughs) You have to choose Washington football team or... Do you want the jersey or do you want your leg? Like, which one do you want? Yeah. So. All right, I know there's somebody that you really love in this wide receiver core, and I'm going to leave him for you. So, Curtis Samuel, <laughs> the running back playing wide receiver. He got paid. <laughs> he did get paid. And honestly, it's not shocking considering Ron Rivera, the guy who drafted him, is now the head coach of Washington football team. Curtis Samuel was actually shaping up to be the team's lead wide out as of 2019, the 2019 season. <laughs> but injuries to Cam Newton and DJ Moore's arrival, really, his ascendance to Fantasy WR2, Fantasy WR1, I'll leave it up to you to decide. He kind of walks that line. But his ascendance to that level really kind of set back Curtis Samuel, if you look, DJ Moore is a good deep threat, but he had a lot more of the shorter route packages, whereas Curtis Samuel was their deep threat. He was their 
4-3 speed wide receiver. I think here, having another speed guy across from him in Terry McLaurin and having Curtis Samuel seeming to come into his own last season with, what was it, 900 receiving yards on the year? I think that this is a good signing, and I think that you might watch out. You might have two WR1s here. And also, I do have to say, for any Terry McLaurin holders out there, I have Terry McLaurin. I'm currently waiting on him. I'm looking to see if I can snag a first-round pick, but I'm not going to advise any course of action as he seems to be a mid-round WR1, but personally, I'm more comfortable with some of the other guys I have. Yeah. How do you feel about this? About which part? The fantasy outlook for Terry McLaurin. So, if Fitzpatrick is the quarterback, I'm not worried. So, uh, what's the Jets? I was trying to... The Jets had Brandon Marshall and... They had three guys. I, I My mind is drawing a blank. Of who they Didn't had. they have uh, Jermaine Curse for a while? Maybe. But they had... Like, Fitzpatrick was carrying them. I don't think... I think Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin will be carried by Fitzpatrick. I think that um, Antonio Gibson and Logan Thomas will be fine. Um, I, I'm not pumped about Adam Humphreys. I don't think he's a checkdown guy. So, I mean, he... It could help. Like, as far as fantasy outlook, I'm talking. Adam Humphreys is a good wide receiver. But as far as fantasy outlook, I think Curtis Samuel and I think that Terry McLaurin will be perfectly fine. Adam Humphreys, if you're in a PPR league, if he goes back to what he did in Tampa, I think Adam Humphreys might be worth a look. Don't expect a high ceiling, but he could be a Jamison Crowder type guy in fantasy. You know Fitzpatrick, right? He's like, I don't care if this gets picked. I'm bombing it. (laughs) That's what he does. (laughs) The way I put it is if all the other quarterbacks in the league are tacticians just, you know, picking who they want to target and where to throw in every play, Ryan Fitzpatrick's just out there going like, he's just like the flow of the game goes through my arm and hurls that ball. Yeah. He's like, I'm not here to win games. I'm here to have fun. Yeah. So so I I do think Adam Humphreys is serviceable. Uh, Curtis Samuel and McLaurin will be your guys. So for fantasy. So that's that's the way I see it. I am happy that their offensive line has some work. I'm really I'm really happy because. You know, I love Antonio Gibson, and this offensive line is really going to help. Um, Brandon Sheriff is not somebody you want to lose. Um, I know franchise tag is only temporary, but he was somebody that I was actually really happy that they kept. So he's very key they to needed their someone. offensive line. I mean, they couldn't just lose Trent Williams and replace him with nothing. So they had to do something. Their all line wasn't as good as it could have been last year, but I think. Honestly, Washington is shaping up to have another good O-line this season. Yeah. And the final guy I want to point out is William Jackson. 
Now, I know he's the big name, right? But but wait, <clears throat> you don't want to point out Dustin Hopkins? I, I, I actually thought about it. I was like, oh, Dustin Hopkins, he's good. No, I want to point out William Jackson. I'm very happy that he is finally going to be on a team with a lights-out defense because he has been good for a long time, and he's been on Cincinnati, and it's been him and maybe one other peop- person, maybe three with Geno Atkins, um, that have shined, and then they get burned other places. So it's got to be nice for him to finally be on a dominant defense that will really – he can lock down, and, and he only has to worry about his assignment. So, yeah, I mean, don't they also have Kendall yep. Fuller? Yeah, and he only has to worry about his stuff. I think everybody else will take care of the rest. So they did last year, and they've only made improvements. So I mean, at least in my mind, it's not like he's going to be handling the WR one of every team. He could just be a lockdown cornerback too on his team. I'm curious to see if uh, Washington in the draft is going to take someone like, um, what is it, Owosu, Ka- I'm going to butcher this name, Owosu <laughs> Koromora. <clears throat> this guy's a lot like Isaiah Simmons and can play in the box or play safety wherever you want him to play. I'm curious if they're going to be taking something like that to bolster the middle of their defense because we've seen the corners. We know that they have Landon Collins at safety. We know that they have honestly one of the most dominant defensive lines. Like, if I was a quarterback, that would give me nightmares. I'm sure Tom Brady worried about it when he faced him. When Chase says, I'm coming for you, I'm sure it probably made him prepare a little more. That's a very intimidating defensive line. So You run away from Chase and Montez Sweat is just on the other side, which would you like to share why I like Montez Sweat? Um, Sure. Because in our franchise, Josh somehow finds a way to draft him every single time. Because he's very fast. And, yeah, you've made him the sack king quite a few times. So, we'll just put it at that. Hey, man. Sweat plays defense. He makes you sweat. He makes you sweat. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, that D-line is its honestly amazing. I would not want to. I would want to be part of that defense. If I could, if there was one defense that I could be part of, yeah, maybe the Patriots. And I'd be like, yeah, I want to sign with the Patriots or I want to sign with uh, Washington football team because they're going to make you look good too, you know. Yeah. So I feel like this one free agent signing – that isn't on our list that Washington that Washington has been kind of poking around with I mean I guess they haven't really made the signing but that free agent is a new name so I wanted to give you a few of the names that are in consideration for the Washington Professional throwers of the pigskin. Just a few of the ones out there are the Aces, the Ambassadors, the Anchors, the Archers, the Armada, the Belters, the Brigade, the Commanders, Defenders, First City Football Club, 
Griffins, Guardians, Icons, Monarchs, Red Wolves, Red Hogs, Rubies, and then Washington DC Football Club, Washington Capital City Football Club. Yeah. Though they're just a few. I didn't read all of them. There are like, I don't know, 20 to 30 names here. So I do want to ask if you had any thoughts. Maybe last year you thought about a little. Any thoughts about what Washington might want out of a new team name, Dan? What do you think would be a good team name? Wow, this is nice. Josh likes to catch me with stuff that I don't prepare for. So a new team name. I like the Aces. That is uh, surprising, and I suppose that's one that they've considered. I had one that wasn't on the list, personally. And this was just off the top of my head. And it's just because I honestly have never seen a team go in this direction. But you would agree that there are a lot of team names named after animals. And usually it's big ones. They're powerful ones. Now, this obviously... Don't say flowers. Why aren't they named after flowers? (laughs) It's not intimidating, John. But yeah, so one thing I was thinking is, why not gorillas? A lot of animal teams, team names out there. It's a big, powerful animal. People are intimidated by gorillas. They're also, you know, smart. I don't see a reason. Why not? Why have gorillas been left out? I don't know. I think you should call uh, Ron Rivera, see if he has any inside information to get. Maybe the ones that they're really considering aren't on that list, Josh. Maybe it's all smoke and mirrors. Maybe. Well, you know, you said no flowers. If the Washington daisies pop up, I'm calling you. (laughs) The Washington daffodils. (laughs) The Washington petunias. (laughs) Oh, man. You want to close us out today? All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Too Good to Tank Podcast. This is Josh. And Dan. And look forward to seeing you next time. Peace.